Hey everybody, Kyle Jackson here with Rodney Wood, Not a Grande Podcast. How's it going? We are going to be tackling our, well, not tackling, we're going to be talking about our Hunt It Forward. Uh, this is our our first ever Hunt It Forward. This is an idea we came up with, uh, I don't even remember when it was, back in August maybe? July, something August? Like, yeah, something like that. But... Uh, We've talked about it before. Uh, we've we've kind of explained what we want to do, in that we're we're trying to take people who've never been hunting before out hunting, uh, trying to use our our contacts that we have rather than use them for uh, selfish reasons. Trying right. to be be more open and and try and get more people into hunting. That's been a, a national debate about how do we do that, and our stance uh, here at Nada Grande is that uh, we. We ought to be targeting targeting people who have a disposable income, try and get some of those people who are between know, 20, 25, and 45-ish mm-hmm. uh, into hunting. And if we can get them, we can get their kids. And and so we, we, we kind of termed that our Hunt It Forward program's a bad word. But we I don't still, know. I we don't still, know. We're supposed to put a poll up. Because that's right. and, and maybe our guest today will will be able to help us. We still don't know what it is. A program. It's not really a program. It's a it's a it's a thing. I don't know what it is. Hunt it forward idea. Hunt, the hunt it forward. It's not an idea anymore. That's not an idea. We're doing it. The hunt it forward initiative. There you initiative. go. Initiative. <laughs> initiative. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> that was uh, Emily. We have Emily and Adrian with us. Say hi. Hello. Hi. And they are our hunt it forward participants this year. Um, the, the plan is, and we've kind of put it into, into motion now. We're out here, um, uh, on some public land, uh, doing some sighting in with, uh, with the rifles, make sure that they're ready for their hunt next weekend. Yes. Very excited. It's a whole new kind of excitement. Um, usually we're, we're excited about our own hunts. You know, going on our elk hunts, our deer hunts, antelope hunts, whatever. Um, and this is a whole different kind of excitement. Um, even different than Maggie's first hunt that we that we went on together um, last week. It's it's um, it's a whole new deal. It's passing our knowledge on and welcoming in welcoming in some new participants to the hunting community. Yep. And it's exciting. It's very exciting. So I'm pretty stoked. Um, I think kind of where we want to start is to kind of get an idea. I mean, obviously we're not gonna uh, out out these ladies, but uh, maybe get an idea of their backgrounds and kind of what got them at least a little bit interested. Because in order to to go hunting, you got to kind of be interested in it. And so I think uh, maybe start with Adrian and see, you know, where where. Where'd, where'd you come from? How, how'd you get to where you are? And, and um, what made you want to go hunting? So, I mean, this is prime country for hunting. I mean, we've got some of the best hunting in the, in the country. So that's one thing that's kind of always been on my mind. Um, I didn't grow up with anyone that hunted, really. My dad's really into guns, but never hunted. And I haven't been around anyone who had hunted, but it's always been something that kind of sparked my interest and... Um, especially trying out different types of game meat, um, elk and that sort of thing. It's delicious and I really wanted. 
I agree. It is delicious. (laughs) Yeah, to get involved and do more. I did grow up um, in the southern regions where we've got a lot of mesquite, and the deer tastes terrible, in my opinion, anyway. So I've kind of not been big on deer, but um, antelope, elk, that sort of thing, I've always wanted to get into duck. And so I'm all about getting the meat and the good stuff, so the good stuff yes that is what it is yes absolutely so um you we have a mutual friend alex Mm -hmm. yes and uh that's kind of how we got together all three of us i guess emily too um and uh i guess was she the one who kind of introduced you to the game meet, or did you do that on your uh, with through other friends, or? No, it's been a, a mix. Like my my cousin hunts, and so I've gotten some of his. Um, t- there's a lot of places here in Albuquerque that actually serve it. There's some breweries and stuff, so I've just over time tried it and really liked it, and just it's health a healthier meat in general, also. So. A lot leaner. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's for sure. That's cool. Um, What's your favorite? Elk. Elk? Have you ever had Oryx? Yes. Oh. I do like Oryx. But I don't know. I have a thing for elk. You you might be the first person that has ever tried Oryx and it's... not called it your favorite. Yeah. Really? But that's yes. okay. That mm-hmm. I, Me personally, I mean, I love elk. I love deer. Mm-hmm. Um, all of it. But Oryx is just so delicious. It is. Yeah. Um, I grew up on it. My uncle worked out on the missile range and he brought home plenty of of um oryx from hunters that didn't want the meat you know or or um just depredation oryx that they had to put down out there um so i had lots of oryx growing up absolutely love this stuff subsequently have never been able to draw an oryx tag so all of you people out there giving me crap because i always draw an elk tag stop i've never drawn an oryx tag so bite me <laughs> Or bite some orcs. <laughs> nah, I can't bite any orcs because I can't get a tag. <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, Emily, uh, you're not from New Mexico. No. Um, where are you from? I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Um, and uh, I met with both of you guys uh, just to see if you would be interested in, in doing this uh, earlier on in the, in the year and kind of got some stuff set up. And, and in my conversation with you, uh, I was really impressed because you really don't come from a hunting background at all. No. What, what's your background? Well, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, like the thought of hunting never crossed my mind. Uh, or it hasn't probably until two years ago. Okay. But, um, yeah, I, grew, I guess in Ohio I would go shooting with my dad, but just at Target's. Um, I think, so I've been in New Mexico for seven years, but two years ago, I think more of my colleagues were starting to talk about, like, how they would go out hunting, and yeah, I think when you start hearing more about it, it, like, you get used to it, and I think it is, like, part of the culture here, it seems to be. It is. More than Ohio. And then, like, for me, thinking about, like, um, like, I eat meat every day. And I want to get more connected to like the press, like what's really happening or like where it comes from. Yes, and uh, that's that was one of the things that really, uh, really kind of interested me because that was 
want to, I mean, that, that group of people who are like you, who want to be more connected, uh, to where their food comes from is one of the groups that we were really looking to try and reach out to because that's something that we, Rodney and I have talked about, uh, on multiple occasions, talked about at length, um, also on this podcast is that, you know, our society is, is growing farther. There's a, there's a, a gap between, you know, where they perceive food comes from and where it actually comes from and mm-hmm. what's involved in, in putting that food on the table. Yeah. And, uh, so that's, yeah, that's really interesting. And, um, why it was really cool to, to get you on board and, and give you the opportunity. So didn't do any hunting in Ohio, in Ohio. Um, but, uh, had some colleagues who talked about hunting out here. Um, what's, I mean, I guess what sparked, Hey, I might want to try that. I just think hearing people talking about it, and I think meeting Alex too, like she would talk about it a lot. And um, this was past summer, she cooked some meat for us, and that was it was pretty good. Nice. I don't know yeah. if I remember which was which, but <laughs> <laughs> it was all good. Yeah, I think it's just like being more in contact with people that do it. You're like, oh, it's something that people mm-hmm. do, and I can do it too. Yeah, and I think that's a big push for Nada Grande. <laughs> And this um, uh, hunt it forward process is, and you are quite literally the perfect candidate for this because um, you have out in the world we have hunters, anti hunters, and then just and the vast majority of people are just not one way or the other. They they, just don't know about it. And and. Education. We've we've said this before a lot too. We've talked about this a lot as, as education and awareness. And um, there are a lot of people that don't know anything about it. And um, really and truthfully, hunting is a much more natural process of getting meat than even what they do. You know, than beef that you get from a grocery store. You know, all of that stuff is like you know, like you said. Um, healthier and stuff like all of that stuff is yeah it's raised on a ranch but then they're stuffed in in feeding pens and then run through a factory and process this is a much more natural yeah process and not running down agriculture no have agricultural ties and that's how we feed the world is agriculture but Mm -hmm. uh but as far as being extremely connected to what you're eating this is this is about as close as you can get without growing up on a farm and doing it yourself um, so yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. So, um, and I guess, uh, the, the big question I'm, um, is I, I know I talked to Alex and, and especially Emily and maybe Adrian, I, I don't know if I asked you this question, but, um, um, she, she had mentioned that, uh, she'd had a couple of friends who asked her about getting into hunting and she just didn't have the time. Is that, Mm -hmm. is that kind of what has happened like with your other friends too? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I've, it's been a couple years that I've been kind of trying to get into it and people talk about it and I'll be like, Oh, Hey, you're going out on a hunt and you know, well, who's coming with you and, and that sort of thing. And no one ever really wants to kind of teach you know what I mean? They want to go out. They want to enjoy their hunt. There's not a lot of people that have the time, like she said, or even really, like, that's their time. Mm-hmm. It's a special thing to them, and they don't want to have to 
teach someone new that just wandered up. So this is that's why this program is really great because yeah, I mean you guys are taking that time and 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 I understand that I understand that sentiment greatly. So when we when we um, like this whole podcast thing was my wife's idea. Um, I got to listening to a podcast from a, the Mediator podcast and um, really enjoyed it because it's it's very educational and um, he seems to be a very smart man and, and his ideals match greatly with like mine and Kyle's. And my wife started telling me, well, you should do this podcast and you should do a podcast, you know, and I didn't want to because hunting is my it's my downtime it's my release I like to go hunting with Kyle I like to go hunting with Didon um and I didn't want to turn my hunting experiences into work so I can relate with that mm-hmm. but then we got me and Kyle got to talking and we got to realizing you know we're going to lose our pastime if we don't share it so we did kind of a complete 180 on that stance and decided and then when Kyle come up with this hunt it forward stuff it even just excelled it 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 um just really boosted it into this area where we need to take people and we need to provide that otherwise the hunting community is just going to continue to shrink yeah um it's I mentioned I mentioned earlier, and and we mentioned in other podcasts that that's kind of a nationwide discussion. Is that we're losing hunters, we're losing fishers, we're losing um, you know trappers, um, because a great deal of that, those are older. They're the baby boomers. They you know they came back and and that's what they did for fun. They went and hunted, and. As a hunting community, we've been very close-minded. We've been, you know, it's, it's just like your friends, you know, well, they, you know, they kind of want to keep their honey holes to themselves. They kind of, you know, mm-hmm. if, if, um, if they get a tag, I want to use it. You know, I want to go hunting and we're trying to put out there, we're trying to start this, you know, and there, there's other people, it's not an original idea. There's mm-hmm. other people in other states where they're, tr- they're trying the same thing, um, but we're trying to take a hands-on approach to what can we do to bring more people into hunting, to pass this along. Because the reality is, as those hunting numbers shrink, um, one, we're, we're going to lose hunting rights. Uh, as, as, you know, as, as we have less people to fight for hunting, we're going to lose hunting rights. Um, more importantly, uh, and, and this is something I didn't know if, don't know if you guys... Uh, know about but um, this is part of that education deal we're trying to get people to understand how this works is that hunting fishing and trapping dollars is what pays for conservation Mm -hmm. it's a it's a great tool in conservation and so let's take for instance uh, you know here in New Mexico uh, the New Mexico Game and Fish who is the wildlife management agency in this state um, they get all of their money from hunting, trapping, and fishing licenses. They don't get any money from the general fund. So when someone says, I pay your salary because I pay taxes, that's, no, not, te- that's not true. Um, you know, we get a little, we get some money from uh, the feds for the Pittman, Rob- from the Pittman Robertson Act and the Dingle Johnson Act, and all that goes to Habitat. But 
everything good that is being done as far as wildlife management in New Mexico is being funded by uh, a very small portion of the population who are hunters, trappers, and fishermen. Uh, we just did a... Uh, that there's a couple of things that just recently have happened with the Game and Fish. Uh, I know Rodney was really excited about them releasing bighorns mm-hmm. into the mountains down there around Alamogordo. Yes. And that is all done through those those hunting, trapping, and fishing license dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that's that's the, those types of things are, are really important for people to understand. And the more people we can get into hunting, the more money we have to do habitat work, the more money we have to do uh, to build those those numbers. You know, back in the early uh, early 1900s, we had no elk in, in New Mexico, zero. But through conservation, through the North American Conservation Model, which uses the hunting dollars, we were able to reintroduce elk, and now we've got... Nine, um, ninety thousand yeah. across the so across the state. Fantastic elk herd. So it's it's amazing. Yeah. Bighorn sheep, bighorn sheep were gone from the state, yep. and those were reintroduced, and now we've got huntable populations mm-hmm. in many parts of the state. So yeah. that's that's really important to us, and that's kind of what uh, spurred this idea. We need to get more people into hunting and quit being so selfish about hunting, because mm-hmm. one, we're going to lose our hunting rights, and two, that's how we continue to provide. Um, wildlife habitat for future generations for our kids yeah and that's extremely important <clears throat> so that's why we started this and that's why we're here so today we did uh some range work um adrian i know you you uh are fairly familiar with firearms um but how was this different than 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 what you've done before it was really good for the um the teaching technique that you were giving like the information that you were bestowing that I didn't really really think about before or or know and and it really helped with my accuracy and understanding and then we did went through a lot of positions which are really good um definitely learned that the wind affects (laughs) (laughs) holding the rifle and and so learning a lot of those positions and keeping the stable is going to be huge because one thing I'm worried about is my speed so being able to get on target and get a shot off that's stable before it runs away is mm-hmm. something that worries me. So it worries really everybody. Trust me. Yes. Yes. Uh, R- Rodney knows about that. Tornado. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I'm a break. I'm a sidebar. Sidebar. Squirrel. Squirrel. Um, I I had a I was on a hunt with a cousin of mine. And literally, tornado mode has is has been earned. Uh, but I was on a hunt with a cousin of mine, and he had his girlfriend with him, and he had been um, complaining because she had multiple opportunities at multiple bucks, but it took her forever to get ready. Um, you know, she had to adjust her beanie and adjust her gloves, and then get off the four wheeler, get her gun ready, and and talk a little bit it it was just driving him crazy and um i was walking back towards camp and him and her come riding by on the four-wheeler and it was getting close to evening and uh they picked me up and he said jump on the front so i hopped on the front of the four-wheeler and we take off down the road and we hadn't went a couple hundred yards we come around a corner and there's a bunch of does up on the side of the hill 
Well, he goes to hit the brakes and I bail off the front of the four-wheeler, do a little bit of roll and pop back up with my gun and I'm right there ready to go. And he goes, that's how it's done, woman. <laughs> <laughs> they were all doze and I didn't get the opportunity to shoot. Probably would have missed anyway, but yeah, that was, that was, uh, I laughed because he, he was giving her crap because I just bailed off and rolled and popped up and was ready to go. And it's good. Um, you know, you were talking about the process that you go through to, to get into position to make sure that your breath control is right. Um, those are the things, and that's why we wanted to do this range day with you guys, because those are the things that are really important. Mm -hmm. Those are the real fundamentals that, um, if you don't do those, you're going to have a hard time hitting an animal and, and hitting an animal clean. Um, if you do those and you do those repetitively, if you continue to come out and practice, these are, you know, perishable skills. If you don't use them, you're going to lose them. Uh, but if you do those things and, and do them repetitively, you're just going to get, uh, you're just going to build on that foundation. And so, uh, that speed will come, mm -hmm. you know, you were talking about, you know, being able to get down, get on an animal and, and get a good shot off in a timely manner. All that stuff comes, but if you don't have that foundation, it's not going to work mm -hmm. well. And so um, that's that's really good. Uh, Emily, if I remember right from our original conversation, you'd mainly shot handguns? Yes, and BB guns. And BB guns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, thankfully, these two are friends. Emily and Adrian are friends. Uh, and so we had the benefit of, of Adrian taking Emily out previous to us being out here today um how is it shooting a rifle compared to a handgun um well i liked it a lot better actually it feels like i don't know you have a little bit more control because it's like you're using your whole body as opposed to well and there's and there's scientific fact in that because you know a rifle um obviously it's got a longer barrel so you've got a lot more control over where that bullet's going to go mm -hmm. A handgun is a shorter barrel, um, and so you have less, I guess, less barrel for for you to less forgiveness. get it. Yeah, a lot yeah. less forgiveness for like you to get it where like, it needs to go. And it's hard on my hands. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, so it's, it was more enjoyable, definitely. Good. Um, um, we gave you a lot of information today. Yes. Um, <laughs> we'll see if I remember it all. What's one thing that you came out of it that that is that you think will stick with you i think like you said before the breathing and the process like all the different like steps you kind of like go through like make sure not to put your finger on the trigger too early that's a good one <laughs> we, sure we went through that. the four cardinal safety rules um and i've gone i've gone shooting with other people uh, at different times and sometimes i'll get somebody who rolls their eyes at me when i start going through that uh, being a firearms instructor, I, I almost have to go through that every time just for my for my mental sanity, so I can make sure that everybody knows where I stand on it. But um, uh, they're not just for shooting. I mean, they're very important for hunting, like we talked about before. Uh, you know, particularly the knowing what your target is, what is between you and your target, and what's beyond your target. Uh, you know, I told you uh, uh, that oftentimes I've seen people who didn't take the time to identify, one, either identify what their target is, 
or make sure that there's nothing behind their target and that ends up in a, in a bad situation you know the uh, guy kills a spike rather than the antlerless or kills two animals because they had a pasture or something like that so that's that's good to know that that uh you're gonna hold on to some of that <laughs> yeah and i think like staying calm too like like that i mean it'll be completely different um with hunting as opposed to targets it but... will be it will be yes. quite a bit different oh yeah um but, but... we've talked about that mm-hmm. you know uh you were a little bit worried that 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 you might come to some emotion and, and yeah. possibly throw up or something yeah, like I'm that. Sure it'll <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay, and that's something that we want we want people to know is that you don't have to be this tough guy to go hunting. You know, there's mm-hmm. a. I I remember talking to you about this the first time that we met. I don't know if you remember it, but uh, and you know, there's a full range of emotions that happens whenever you're hunting, and especially when you actually harvest an animal um there's not an animal that i haven't taken that i haven't felt a little bit of sadness um i won't say that i felt regret because i'm very happy but i felt a little bit sad a little bit of sadness because you're taking that animal's life however at the same time you're feeling ecstatic that you got an animal you're feeling proud because you know you've the skills that you use to actually get the animal uh, benefited you i'm grateful grateful um, for the opportunity opportunity and for the for the meat that you get uh-huh. and so yeah i don't think you have to worry about 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 your emotions uh that we want people to understand that you're gonna have those emotions that you should expect yeah that you're gonna and and just roll with it well, and those emotions are are an important part absolutely i mean without those emotions i probably wouldn't hunt i mean if You've talked about your deer hunt where you didn't feel yeah, a whole lot yeah yeah and we, we We've touched on that on previous podcasts, um, and I talked about it today. You know, I, I took that deer at 460 yards, and to me, it was a lot less intimate than our other um, hunting experiences because he was so far away um, that with a naked eye, you could just barely see him, mm-hmm. and and. It just, yeah, it just wasn't there for me. Now, you know, there's plenty of people that love that, you know, Dedon, for example. He loves um, to shoot stuff long range. Um, the shot was impressive, but the the um, connection with the animal wasn't there. It just wasn't there. And for me and my personal preference, um, give me my bow back. <laughs> yep. D-Don can't do the bow because... He can't shoot at anything that, that close. Yeah, he can't hit it. Yeah. So, um, we went over positions, talked about that. We talked about carries. Um, and we talked a little bit about the variation in firearms. Uh, what are you going to be shooting, Adrian? That's a Ruger 243. 243 caliber. Uh and this is a this is a conversation that's been had many times over. Uh, what the best caliber for certain animals? <laughs> um, so we're not going to get into that because mm-hmm. that's a con- long conversation that we could have. Uh, suffice it to say that a two forty three is going to be a good good caliber for the animals that we're going to be chasing. Uh, we've got them a couple of uh, doe antelope tags, which is great because it's a it's a it's not going to be a we wanted to start you guys out with a, a little bit of an easier hunt. I'm not going to say it's mm-hmm. going to be an easy hunt, 
but it, we won't have to be hiking 15 miles through the mountains or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's really good. Emily, you got to shoot her 243. Um, we just, we, we sighted it in. And so, um, what was the difference? You were shooting an open sight last week? So how is that different? Well, we were a lot closer. <laughs> but I don't know. I liked both of, like, I don't think I could have done a hundred, like, how far? A hundred yards. A hundred yep. yards, yeah, with an open shot. Mm -hmm. You, I, I guarantee you probably could. It's just yeah. going to take some practice. Yeah. yeah. But it was not, like, I like having the experience of doing both. I yeah. Think. And I liked that, what, what gun were we shooting with? It was uh, a 3030. Yeah. I thought it was... Yeah. All, fun to shoot. All, all my kids started shooting with open sights. Um, I think it's very important um, to learn uh, with open sights because it is much harder. It's much more technical um, than just putting a crosshair on an on an animal, but or on a target. Um, but for beginners, I think yeah, that that's perfect using that scope. Like you said, it increases your range, um, and you don't want to. You don't want to tie yourself down on the first hunt. You want to be able to enjoy it. You don't want to have to worry about having to get within that 100-yard range. You know, with that scope, we'll be able to get you an opportunity maybe out to 150, 200 yards. Yeah. So we started out at 100 yards, um, and that's because that's a pretty common sighting range uh, to do is 100 yard. Well, we went into 50, and we put it on paper first because you hadn't sighted it in. It's a brand-new gun, got a brand-new optic on it hadn't sighted it in so we took it into 50 put it on paper and moved it and then came back to to 100 yards and man adrian you were nailing tacks with that thing thanks yeah doing <laughs> awesome uh we talked about how uh, you know the the kill zone or the, the vital zone on on an antelope is going to be about eight inches eight inch uh -huh. diameter and uh, i don't think either one of you are going to have have much problem with that yeah. No. Uh, plus, uh, we had some things to contend with today. It's It's been pretty windy, pretty cold, mm -hmm. uh, which is beneficial. Uh, how does how do, how does dealing with that kind of affect um, your mindset as far as going on the hunt? What do you guys think? I think um, it definitely just the preparation of knowing, like it was a really good thing when I was standing up. And seeing how much it sways me versus um, in the prone where it's had, stable. Had that, had that kind of thought crossed your mind before? No. So it's good to know that. I think that'll mess with my head less knowing that it's possible and to think about it before going in. Because in that moment when I have to get it off quick, but not knowing that the wind's going to mess with me is yep. a good lesson to learn. No. Yep. So, and then just the cold course we knew it was going to be cold when we went up there but i think being out here in the cold shooting just helps the mind just be ready absolutely absolutely <laughs> so we sighted in at 100 yards uh and we actually sighted in an inch two inches high two inches high two inches high at 100 yards uh and the reason that we wanted to do that is if there's anybody else out there listening who hasn't done a whole lot of shooting, um, if you sight in with with 243 
any any of these these uh, calibers that that we're looking at, at using for an antelope two you know 243 a 223 a 22250 a 270 any of those cal calibers 100 range, 100 yards is a really good sighting range if you sight it in at two inches high at 100 yards for the most part you're going to be almost dead on at 200 yards mm -hmm. so that's a real good way <coughs> because we have an eight inch diameter vitals vital zone mm -hmm. on an antelope it's a really good way to easily extend your distance and how comfortable you are shooting uh, with the rifle without having to change anything at all because you can put that that crosshair on your vital zone and if you're two inches high at 100 yards then all the way out to 200 yards you're right on yeah and so anywhere in between there you're going to be hitting right in that vital zone where you need yeah. to hit to make a good clean kill yeah 50 to 200 um shouldn't change your aiming point at all mm -hmm. so that's good so that's why we did that um and and i think it's really good because like you said you emily you know you shot with the open sights and you're much closer uh these uh, one one of the things that we we talk about uh, in educating yourself about about hunting is knowing the animal that you're going to hunt and we're going to talk about the we're, we're going to go over a little bit more about the antelope uh, before we go out next week uh, but antelope have really good eyesight we we, we told you that um, and so getting within 100 yards is pretty tough we tried <laughs> on the bow hunt did a lot of belly crawling on the bow hunt yeah. uh, for Rodney's bow it was a lot of fun uh, but, uh, yeah, getting in, in within a hundred yards can be tough. So sighting in at that distance, doing the sight in like we did, uh, we, we know you guys can probably confidently, uh, be able to shoot and hopefully make a good shot on that antelope yep. anywhere in that range. Yep. And that's really important. Yep. They should, they should both feel very confident that, that within that, that, uh, 100 to 150, 175 yard range. Um, if they take their time, they should be able to make that shot. Yep. Absolutely. Um, what's, uh, what's, what's something you're going to take away from, from this, Adrian, this, uh, this, just today, just talking about sighting in, talking about everything that we've talked about. I know I kind of put a bunch of information you guys' way. Um, I definitely learned a lot just about my equipment, like. Um, my scope and adjusting it, how to adjust it, learning the left and right to move it up down or yeah. So that that was definitely good to to know my equipment better. And then um, I think definitely, like I said, the positions, going through a lot of that and that I think will definitely help in thinking about like being out here and actually doing it and thinking about actually having something out in the field that I'm tracking and prone or, or and sitting or standing or yeah and the use of those um the shooting sticks yeah i'd never seen those before that's those are nice and they're handy yeah. uh, i don't i haven't shot done much shooting off of them um i use them for my binoculars <laughs> they're <laughs> so good for a binocular rest um and and we'll use them a lot uh next weekend um just to to glass the areas and find some antelope Mm -hmm. um, you know, I shot uh, 
my first deer down there in the sand hills um mm-hmm. i shot him off of those, yeah, those shooting you did. sticks you did um they are extremely handy uh i shot my deer off of them too down pretty there. sure you did yeah i did um but but i just love how much how much stability they add to your binoculars um having a spotting scope is fantastic it's not always something that you can pack around with you um and having a good set of glasses is great but the stability and you know a person cannot hold a set of binoculars still enough to be able to look at very long distances so having that that uh, shooting stick to rest them on really helps yeah <laughs> when you don't have a tripod to put <clears throat> when you don't have a tripod yeah. I, I know before we got those shooting sticks uh oftentimes we try and find a you know a good high position to sit and then you've got that stability so you can so you can glass for long periods of time and that's something that 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 you guys are going to uh hopefully learn as, as we go out in the field and start spotting some animals is that um man glassing is key be able, and we call it glassing emily I, you yeah, may not know you never heard that term before yeah. it just means you know looking through binoculars using some sort of um optic to really scour the landscape for animals Mm -hmm. um antelope deer antelope usually are fairly easy to find uh except for in the past couple of years where there's really tall grass if they're laying down they're going to be really hard to find you have to find their horns or whatever uh deer man i love glassing for deer uh, and you spend a lot of time just looking for deer, spotting them, bedding them down, you know, watching them go to bed, go to their beds, and then stalking in. And so glassing is a very vital, vital part of hunting. Um, again, we, we're talking about a lot of stuff that that you guys haven't haven't dealt with, but hoping to expose you to that as we go along. Um, and so those shooting sticks are incredible because. If you're in flat country, you don't have to sit down and mm-hmm. find a comfortable spot. You can put them up there and you can glass for a long time without having to tire out your eyes. Yeah. Excuse me. So, uh, Emily, do you have a some something that uh, was that you're going to take away from from today? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think like well, so a couple of weekends ago, that was my first time shooting a rifle, and I think then I was really nervous about being able to look, actually um, hit a target. <laughs> so I think like with each um, experience I feel a little bit more confident with that and then this time um, like Adrian said we got a lot of um, good tips for how to make that even easier so I think yeah just the feeling of coming out um, again will help for next weekend. Good. Um, Adrian, I know we, we talked about, you, you were talking about, you know, the, the stability, the change in the wind, the things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think I, I explained it pretty good. Um, but you know, the different, the, the, um, relationship between that stability and the mobility from standing to kneeling to prone or to sitting to prone, uh, are really uh, I'm glad that you guys got to experience that, especially with the wind, because um, oftentimes people don't take that into account. 
you know just just like you were talking about you never really thought about it before and so if it, it, it's really important to us to be able to take you through that and, and hopefully prepare you for some of that because we want it to be a very enjoyable experience and and if you hadn't thought about that and and, and it just throws off your whole mindset uh, it makes it, it makes it for a little bit more difficult hunt um, what do you what do you what are you guys' expectations for this next weekend what do you guys what's what's going through your minds well i think we're definitely excited i think it'll be fun and if nothing else a, a great experience it would be great to get something but just learning all of these things because it's an intimidating thing to go out hunting just the thought of it before and just going through the whole process from even scouting like you're saying finally learning that stuff learning their behaviors getting out and doing that it's intimidating to think about doing that on your own so um just to learn that process and go through all this and like you're saying know what's behind the deer so, or the antelope so you're not shooting two of them you know what i mean just those thoughts yeah that's a big thing to think about that i didn't even think about before and so i think just overall the the experience of going out and just learning this will definitely help um my confidence for later yeah it'll be awesome to get something but i think <laughs> i i think that's a really good answer and i'm glad you're here with us on this podcast because for our listeners out there who will hopefully have this opportunity in the future themselves um that's something that we can't convey because i mean we've been hunting our whole lives and so that that feeling of you know of it being a hard thing to do and and to start from i started we had, as a kid. yeah we had the benefit of yeah. having somebody who walked us through that mm-hmm. from, yeah. from childhood and so yeah, yeah that's so, a, that was 30 years ago that 32 years ago that I went on my first hunt so I don't know that feeling and I can't convey that but y'all can y'all can convey that um, that excitement and the anticipation and the and the um, you know what to expect from y'all's point of view what's your I mean what's going through your mind Emily this is this is like brand new to you yeah I have no idea what to expect (laughs) I'm just going in like whatever happens happens I guess um (laughs) I'm excited, I'm nervous, sometimes I'm nauseous, so it's like all of everything. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the experience and learning, like we talked about um, earlier today, like the whole process, like from sighting to the field dressing, kind of just getting that mm-hmm. experience. So that we're all kind of going through this experience together and and like i told you guys before you guys are kind of the guinea pigs sorry about that uh (laughs) but you know we're we're just two guys uh you know we 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 can only kind of have we don't have a great big wide area of influence Uh, we're we're very thankful to have the opportunity to take you guys through this uh but what would you guys say to others like you who are interested in getting into hunting um, but really don't know where to start? I mean, I guess I'm kind of brainstorming here because Rodney and, Rodney and I have talked about this before. Is there anything that, that you think that the hunting community to, could do better to, to help people get into hunting? I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm going <laughs> to. We're definitely, I mean, we were lucky to have... Alex that got us hooked up with you guys like this is we're 
really lucky to be doing this too. Like we're really glad to be here. If there was more stuff like this, that would be great. But just, I would just say if you have, I, I mean, I know it's a your time and your thing, but if you have time to even just talk to people who, who show interest or ask you about your hunts that, you know, have no knowledge of it, just to give them a little bit more of a kind of rundown or even just the process of how to get their licenses and how to do their tags and all of that. Just, yep. I don't know, spend, I guess, a little bit more time talking to them about it, even if yeah. you don't take them out. That's going to be, we all, we all like to share our hunting stories. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't, we're not necessarily so good at sharing how to yeah, do it get, like a kindergarten. yeah, how, how <laughs> to get to where, where we have hunting stories. Right. 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 Cause that, the stories are really exciting and yeah. that makes you more excited to do it. But you know, at the they lower are. level, you don't know how to get yourself there. Yeah. yeah. More like, like entry points for mm-hmm. beginners. Like for a long time, like I went, not a long time, a couple of years I wanted to do this, um, but it felt unattainable, I think. Just yeah. like, where do you even begin? Like um, what we were talking about earlier today, like there's all this equipment that you need. Um, and when you first go, you should never, you're saying you can always borrow things. Yeah, and that's a good point that that you bring up. I'm glad you brought that up is, you know, we, we've been talking with, with Adrian and Emily about Adrian's got some some stuff, some some cam- camo and things like that. Emily doesn't have a a whole lot of stuff because she's starting from nothing. But that's okay. That's really okay because, uh, like we told like we told her, it is okay to beg, steal, and borrow. Mm-hmm. That's how we got started. And and you know what? Another um, another thing is thrift stores. Hmm. Um. If it comes down to whether I can or can't go hunting, um, you know, because I don't have good gear or because I have thrift store gear, I'm going to go get thrift store gear because I want to go. And that's the most important thing is to be able to go. So you do have to get resourceful, um, you know, uh, in the ways that you you get stuff. Um, But camo, stuff like that, you can find that stuff at thrift stores. Um, Army surplus stores, it's a great place to get camo. but when you're talking, you know, when you're talking about the bigger ticket items, you know, guns, guns, you know, like like you were talking about, it's very intimidating yes. to get into it because, you know, you're thinking, oh, I'm gonna have to buy a rifle, and I'm gonna have to buy ammo, yes. and I'm gonna have to buy this, and I'm gonna have to buy that. That that is not the case, and like we've talked about today, you don't even know where to start, and so mm-hmm. why not beg, steal, and borrow? Find a couple of buddies or a couple of friends who've talked about hunting. Cool. What do you shoot? Or what do you use? Hey, I'd like to try that. Can you take me out sometime? You know, uh, there is no shame in beg, stealing, and borrowing. Um, we don't try literally to, steal. Don't steal. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is expression. Literaling and. I thought your wife was here for a minute. Yeah, I know. Um, I just, I just want to make sure that our listening, our we're our, not telling you to steal. We're not telling you to. We're steal. telling you to to be resourceful, <laughs> and if you have, you know, somebody who who can help you out. Don't be ashamed of of asking. Yeah, uh, I think that's really important uh, because you know we shot we have we had a couple of three different three or four different calibers here today. And how are you going to know if, what you like unless you shoot it? And you can't buy four guns. No. So, and and to our our listeners who are on the hunting side, don't say no. If somebody's interested and they come and ask you. 
don't do the typical hunting thing and say no. Um, it's okay. It's it's okay for a hunter not to want to take somebody on a hunt with them. I understand that tags are hard to get, but take them quail hunting, take them turkey hunting, take them squirrel hunting. There's rabbit so hunting. many opportunities out yeah, there. It, it doesn't have to be an antelope hunt or a cow hunt or anything like that you, you know just take them to the range shooting let them shoot your rifle so they can get a feel for whether or not they even want to move forward um so yeah so for our, for our current hunters out there don't say no somebody asks take them yeah it's it's it is really important i mean there's uh, right now, there's proposals in front of the commission as far as different game rules and, and things like that. Um, and and where every year we get more and more, seems like we get more and more attacks from from those wanting to take those hunting rights away. And so it's very important for us to to start being open minded about this. Don't don't be thinking well i don't want to take that person hunting because they're gonna take my tag away from me first of yeah. all it's not your tag <laughs> yeah and i know that that's a hard mindset um you know uh, it's a hard thing to because the more people we get hunting the harder it is going to be for us to get tags that's a fact but we won't be able to get any tags if we don't have the money coming in from conservation so but you also have to think on the flip side of that more money coming in the more habitat work we can do the better we can the build more habitat our we'll have the, the better we can build be our populations the more mm -hmm. tags will be available so yeah you know I, I think that's that's a point that that doesn't get brought up enough yeah. either yeah yeah and if you don't and there's another thing too is a lot of people are a lot of people if they're not deer hunting or elk hunting you know or hunting for big game they don't want any part of it if you don't draw a deer tag go turkey hunting you know, go squirrel hunting, go rabbit hunting, go quail hunting, go fishing. You know, there's a lot of other things that you can do. There's a lot of outdoor activities. You know, it doesn't have to be hunting for a bull elk or good mule deer. Yep, absolutely. What is, I want to know, what is one question from each of y'all that y'all have about next week? Doing a lot of putting on the spot right? here. Right. <laughs> you guys have answered a bunch of them already, but um, yeah, I feel like I asked all of them. <laughs> I can try to remember something fire. that I. Yeah, ask I them. know. You can ask them again. They didn't hear. As far as uh, equipment is for, as far as like a ice chest or types of knives or that sort of thing um so i don't think you need to bring so it all it all kind of depends uh, and these are great conversations to have especially with someone who's never hunted before you know that, that's questions like what am i going to need what do i have to bring um we'll have most of most of the stuff that we need if you'd like to bring a couple of knives that's fine uh we're, we're definitely going to go through the field dressing and things like that mm -hmm. um I've got a big cooler, and so there's real not a real big need uh, unless you want to bring meat back. I know we talked about uh, possibly doing some processing, and mm -hmm. so if you feel like 
you know if you feel like you want to bring a cooler so that you can bring meat back if we do our own processing um then do that mm-hmm. because you're going to need it to to make sure that meat stays good and, mm-hmm. and doesn't spoil and so uh and it, as you go forward ice chests are a must in taking hunting because yeah. you're either going to be transporting pieces of the animal or the animal in that ice chest to a mm-hmm. processor or back to your house where you're going to process it yourself and yeah. so um i guess that's probably one thing i wasn't clear enough on you know you asked if if you need to bring one and and i was just thinking about this time but as far as going forward as a hunter those are those are definitely a must yeah what, are, what sizes are you're, you're gonna as many as you can get <laughs> yeah um, no you can fit a full antelope in the in the just the regular what are they like a 50 55 quart, quart. 55 quart you can fit the whole antelope in there yeah okay. without a problem so, yeah again it depends um, on what you're hunting but yeah uh, you might want some like some gallon size ziploc bags okay. um there's uh the other thing if you're if you're gonna be out and you're gonna be packing an animal out um you you would want to think about game bags Mm -hmm. those are a a cloth bag that keeps off um, dirt and things like that so there's three main spoilers of meat and we talked about this earlier these are some of the things that you could learn if you go through a hunter education course fantastic course if you get a chance I recommend going through them but there's three main spoilers of meat Uh, there's heat there's water and there's dirt and so we really don't have a problem with water around here it's mainly more back east where mm-hmm. where it's really hot and humid mm-hmm. then you have you know insects getting in the meat uh we more have a problem with the heat and with the dirt and so the mo the more you can reduce those three spoilers uh the longer you can preserve that that uh that meat mm-hmm. uh, in the winter time it's pretty easy because you can just hang it and it stays cool uh in the earlier seasons uh, like in august things like that you're going to have to contend with with those those yeah. types of problems so yeah. ice, ice chests are always a good idea yeah. as far as a, a knife we'll have knives if you have one you can bring it if you're looking to get one i would highly suggest the outdoor edge replaceable blade knife you can get it pretty cheap and it comes with some replaceable blades it's a fantastic knife you can get it with or without the gut hook doesn't matter yeah We'll try not to get into that conversation because we'll have a bunch of people telling us, oh, this is the best knife ever. Yeah. It's like calibers. You know, everybody's got their favorite. So, yeah. but uh, those those are good knives. Um, if you've got a, you know, a fixed blade knife uh, that that you are partial to, uh, the only thing you want to do is make sure it's sharp. sharp. Yep. So, what do you think? Questions? Um, well, I did ask this already, but... This was um, good for me to know, like where actually on the animal to to aim for. Yes, there's so, and we're gonna go over that in detail with you. But I'll give you, you know, the the vitals are generally lower than most people think on the chest, um, behind the leg, and uh, right behind the shoulder, um, and a little back. On on an antelope, you have a very nice little aiming point where the white of the antelope's belly comes to a point uh, right behind the shoulder um the other and if you're patient yeah. and if you're patient and wait for that animal to be in a good position mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about a broadside or a quartering yeah. away um then placing your crosshairs right behind that shoulder where mm-hmm. the tan meets the white 
uh, you're going to be right right in the money sh- money shot. Yeah. Um, right there in the vitals. Yeah. Um, and it does change, like Kyle said, you know, broadside or quartering away, quartering to you, where you actually put that bullet um, will change forward or backwards depending on the angle that they are towards you. But like you said, typically you're going to want to just be patient and let them get themselves in a position for you to make a good shot. Yeah. And if you've done, you know, if you've done some, some good stalking, uh, which we're going to hopefully be able to take you guys through some of that, uh, playing the wind, understanding that they have really good senses of smell. Uh, with antelope, you got to worry about they have really good eyesight. eyesight. But if you can put yourself in a position to where they don't know that you're there, um, and being patient, you'll get a good shot. Mm-hmm. You'll get a good shot. So, like I said, we'll, we're going to go over that uh, more in detail uh, next next Friday when you guys come in before we go hunting. But that's a fantastic question because that is something that is absolutely would want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are big proponents of uh, of ethical hunting and, and putting one down quickly. I like the attitude. Mm-hmm. I like the attitude because both of those questions are, they pertain to a successful hunt. And if you visualize that, practice that, and you have confidence in that, then you can make that come true. Um, so both great questions because yours is about bringing meat home and yours is about where am I going to shoot it and uh, positive attitude is a good thing to have when hunting absolutely um, that is about all we have for this podcast we are gonna we're gonna take these ladies hunting yes um, hopefully let them have a really fantastic experience I yes. know we're excited about it I know they're excited about it and uh, we're gonna pick this pod we'll pick up another podcast mm-hmm. after the hunt so we can yep. get the back end of the ideas and thoughts and and experience because that's what it's about um, the the only last thing that I wanted to say was uh, you know this is not a one-time deal uh, we're gonna take them out hunting this year mm-hmm. and then we are going to take them through putting in for their hunts yes. next year if they feel like they want if, to do yeah, it again if they want to do it again yeah that and that's a big deal and she mentioned that you know going through the proclamation and how to put in for your hunts and all of that stuff and we are absolutely going to take them through that um today was mostly you and that's your expertise you know being a shooting instructor and everything like that and i will be pretty excited come come time to put in because that's where i really like to do yeah he calls me like 15 times a day and i'm like just whatever you want to do dude i don't care <laughs> just let's draw I, tags i like to get into the proclamation <laughs> and i like to to find out you know what works for odds and drawing odds and harvest reports and success rates and all of that so i'd love to crunch those numbers and that's why we're so successful at drawing tags is because i don't just put in for my backyard every year um, some of the hunts that we have drawn are pretty hard but i love that part so i'm, I'm excited about that part too is getting y'all into the proclamation and teaching y'all how it works and how the draw works and uh what it'll take to to go through that process next year yep anything any last any last words (laughs) we're just excited to be doing this good we are too absolutely Absolutely. we're gonna sign off with that follow us on facebook instagram got a web page twittery thingy twittery face hole insta hole thing yep 
Yep, yep. We'll see you guys next time, and absolutely tune in next week because we're going to have this hunt coming to you for the next podcast. Hunt it forward. We'll Hunt continue. It forward. Adios. Adios. Bye.